Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast. Thank you so much for being here. What's going on? How are you? Let's talk babies and birth and empowerment. Have some fun some laughs. Sometimes we cry. Absolutely. That happens. <laughs> but that's that's what it is. That's the journey. That's the magic, the birth magic. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge all of you listeners, all of you members of the community. We appreciate you so much. And whenever you send us a message or comment or like, subscribe, all of that, we just Oh, it makes us feel so great. We appreciate you. And we just love to see the messages resonating and the connections happening amongst community members, whether that's on Instagram, DIAH podcast, by the way, you can follow us. We are nearing 10,000 followers, which is so exciting. I want to hit that 10,000 mark. Y'all, I want the add a link option in our stories. I want (laughs) a validation blue circle with a check. I want all of it. So anyway, we are on track. We are trending in that direction. You can connect with us on our Facebook page, Doing It at Home, and we have the private Facebook group, Doing It at Home Birth group. And just as an FYI for that, you know, we screen when you submit or request to be a part of the group with questions. So please answer all of those questions because we just want to make sure that everyone is joining the the group who's appropriate to be joining the group and, you know, all of that. So just make sure you answer the questions. And it's really cool to see all of you engaging and sharing things with each other and yeah, all of that. And you're doing it at home gear. I love, love, love seeing the pictures of you rocking your tanks or your t-shirts, your sweatshirts that say have babies where you make them or let's talk home birth and you can get yours through our shop and there's a link to that in the show notes as well as when you just go to our website. And so I said acknowledge listeners. I want to read a review that we received in Apple Podcasts and I want to be reading more of these on the show cuz it's fun and it's really cool if you get to hear yours or you recognize what you wrote or, you know, or a friend you recognize or something like that or you just want to share it, you know, like honey, listen, you know, they talked about me on the show, whatever that is. It's fun. And to just spread that energy, right? Spread that affirmation, that great juju. And that's what I want to do. So that's what we're going to do. Here's one from a Apple podcast review. Like I said, this is soccer girl. And she says, a favorite pregnancy birth podcast. I am not a mama quite yet, but we will be trying to conceive soon, and this podcast has been my favorite to listen to lately. Home birth has always been a topic that I love to explore. 
I've spent so much time reading birth stories and watching birth videos, and this podcast was exactly what I was looking for. It's inspiring, informative, and open to all pregnancy journeys and experiences. I'm so happy I found the DIAH podcast, and I look forward to listening to this podcast with my husband, as well as when I am entering the pregnancy experience. Grateful for you both. Ooh, soccer girl. We're grateful for you. Thank you. And I think you hit it right on the head with the the space that we strive to create here of open to all pregnancy journeys and birth experiences. That's really what uh, we sought to create here. And yes, we set the stage, you know, we put it out there and then it's the rich stories and the conversations and the, the energy of all of the beautiful people, moms, partners, dads, family members, thought leaders, experts who have contributed to this collectively and what makes it what it is. So all of you are just amazing. So thank you. And if you want to leave us a review, please do so. Uh, We might read it on the show. You can send us emails, uh, whatever you want to do to to just reach out and share what your experience has been of, of listening to the show. We appreciate you greatly. And speaking of listening to the show, make sure you do that with the Parents On Demand app. Parents On Demand, the pod network, is the podcast group that we are a part of. And what I love about Parents On Demand is, let me put it to you this way. Have you ever been sitting down to watch Hulu or Netflix or whatever other streaming service, you sit down and you scroll through everything. And then I don't know, maybe this is just me. 30 minutes later, you haven't watched anything and you're like, forget this. I'm just going to go to bed (laughs) or I'm just going to watch Friends reruns or The Office for the hundredth time. Anybody else? Well, Parents on Demand is great for that uh, syndrome in that sense if you kind of get that analysis paralysis or you just get overwhelmed with all of the options. Parents on Demand has selected shows for you in the parenting realm. So if there's any topic around pregnancy, birth, parenthood, and beyond that you are interested in, you can search for it within Parents on Demand and find the show or find the episode that is speaking exactly to what you want right then and there. And all of these shows are uh, curated there you know, as a one-stop shop for you as a parent interested in podcasts. So that's what it is. And it's amazing. So go download the app on your Android or your Apple device, or you can go to parentsondemand.com and learn more about the network and the other shows that are there. There you have it. Okay, today's birth story, we're chatting with Brooke Brumley, and we talk about, we we cover a lot in this conversation, but one theme that I just think is funny and sweet and relatable, and I think plenty of moms out there can can jive with this, is if you're kind of a diva, <laughs> or you kind of relate to yourself as such, or would even, you know, self-proclaimed diva, how could you have a home birth? Or is, is that something that you would even consider, you know, as a quote unquote diva, whatever that is? You know, because there's a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes around home birth and those who choose it. So for Brooke, she never really thought it was something for her. But after a traumatic birth experience with her first baby, followed by a challenging period of postpartum depression, as well as breastfeeding uh, challenges, Brooke became very passionate about breastfeeding and wanted to help other moms through pregnancy and postpartum so that they wouldn't have the experience that she had. And then moving into her second pregnancy, she really wanted things to be different. And so this was an opportunity for her to trust her body 
and to create the birth that she wanted. And she was steadfast in her pursuit and had her home birth. And that's what we talk about. So we talk about her journey, the birth experience itself. And then we touch on those elements of postpartum depression and breastfeeding such a being such a passion of Brooks. So it is a beautiful conversation. Quick word from our sponsors, and then we will have our birth story with Brooke. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Brooke, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. Brooke, we are pretty darn excited that you're going to be sharing with us your birth story and that you carved out some time to hang out with us. So thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Brooke, kick us off with a little bit about you and your family. Um, well, so I'm Brooke, obviously. I am a hairstylist and makeup artist. Um, I'm a certified lactation counselor. I was working for the health department as a breastfeeding peer counselor. Um, I recently had to quit because I can only, I was able to bring the baby to work with me until he was six months. Um, and then I was going to have to put him in daycare and we weren't ready for daycare. <laughs> so unfortunately I had to stop working there and I miss it, but, um, I'm still in the breastfeeding. I have a support group that I'm working on. And so Ooh. that's what I do. That's awesome. My, yeah. Um, my husband, Matt, he, uh, he sells insurance and he's also in the army national guard. So he's busy. I wish he could be here today because he is much better at storytelling than I am. I feel <laughs> like, um, and his perspective on our birth story is really cool. So I'm sad that he can't be here, but we talked last night and I'm hoping I can, you know, put in some stuff that he wanted to talk about. Um, and then I have Emery, who is three, and that's a boy. I get, you know, everybody wants to call him a girl. Mm. <laughs> Emery, you know, I feel like it's more of a boy name. I tried, but <laughs> <clears throat> it means brave and powerful. So, Ooh. you know, I feel like that's manly. Anyway, and then I have Kai, who he's my home birth baby, uh, and he just turned seven months the other day. Aww. Yeah. That's our family. Aww, beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> and we're, I, I know we're going to weave in this conversation of the uh, certified lactation consultant and being super passionate about breastfeeding because that's a part of your journey, is it not? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, why don't we start with then um, how home birth became an option for you or how that kind of entered? Because I know to go into that, there's a little bit of backstory and history for you. So, maybe share that a little bit with us. So, um, it's interesting because I never, like, I never would have seen myself as somebody who would have a baby at home. Um, I think that the word to describe me, and I'm super self-aware, it would be kind of a diva. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, all I knew about birth before I had my firstborn was, you know, you, your water breaks, you go to the hospital, you get epidural and pitocin and you have the baby. (laughs) 
like all the interventions. That's all I knew about, which is pretty sad. Um, and I had a pretty traumatic birth experience with my son, Emery. Um, and so I, we had just, we were in the hospital for a week. We had all the interventions. Um, he, his heart rate was dropping, um, due to the Pitocin, all kinds of that stuff. Um, and then we had a horrible start at breastfeeding. I was exhausted. I haven't slept in like four or five days. And so, um, that made it really difficult and I just didn't know anything. I did not do my research. Um, I just went through the whole pregnancy. I I didn't do any research whatsoever. didn't think about it. I just weaned it and it was not good. So, um, anyway, that was super traumatic. I dealt with really bad postpartum depression. I literally don't remember the first six to nine weeks of Emery's life. Um, I have to ask my mom and husband all the time. They were there and I'm like, did I hold my baby? Like, did I feed my baby? You know, I just don't remember it. And once I realized, um, that something was wrong and went to my OB, I got put on Zoloft, um, and things changed like immediately. It helped so much. Um, and so I still, I'm still having to take Zoloft three years later. Um, and so that helped a bunch, but I think that, um, it's hard to, to know, you know, if it's baby blues or just exhaustion or actual postpartum depression, um, because everything's such a blur during that time. But I think it's important if you feel any weirdness, if you're just off, see your OB, see a doctor or somebody um, to get checked out. Yes. But anyway. What, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Brooke. What, yes. um, so you said you were, you were feeling off for a little while and then you ended up going to the OB. Was it, you know, what was it that actually inspired you going to the OB? Because for, for people who are listening... Yeah, they, what's that point? Yeah, they might be in that space where they are feeling the baby blues or or they don't know what it is, but they are feeling off. And there was something that for you, it's like you, you made that decision to go and then do something about it. Can you talk about that? I think for me, it was... I I knew I had a disconnect with my baby really early on, which was awful. Um, I, I mean, I remember in the hospital, I did not even want to bring him home with me. I was just so tired. And when I realized that feeling wasn't going away, um, I wasn't sleeping at all, you know, like that's not normal. Even when the baby was sleeping, I was not sleeping. Um, I had all the help in the world and I was just not right. I just, you know, like I felt guilty every day (laughs) And I I was in such a depression and I was just like, I do not want to feel this way anymore. There's got to be something, something that we can do. And, um, I told my husband and he's like, let's go, let's make that appointment. And I'm so glad, so glad that I did. Yeah. 
So I was on a panel the other night actually about mental health and wellness uh, for mothers and postpartum depression and PMADS, you know, so not just postpartum depression, but like anxiety or even rage, you know, we were talking about all of that. And Keisha Reeves, a therapist and specializing in maternal health, we've actually had her on the show. She was there with me and she was talking about the baby blues. And just to add on to what we've already shared, you know, typically that baby blues period, as we identify it or describe it, is only about the two-week mark after baby arrives. Right. So that's right. where, you know, kind of as a marker, you know, she shared and then, you know, you, you can read another uh, sources. Beyond that point, if you're still having those feelings, that's when it's probably a, a great idea to reach out or to start putting things in yeah. place to look into that further. So beyond the two-week mark, you know, that's beyond baby blues at that point. Right. And I, you know, I caught myself warning my friends, my pregnant friends afterwards, like, you're going to go through this, like, terrible depression and fog that and you're not going to remember the early weeks with your baby. (laughs) And like, just like warning everybody about what it's like to have a baby. And I realized that's not normal. And it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Can manifest all sorts of different ways. So in in getting that support, how did Mm -hmm. you move through some of the trauma, heal? And then also what were your thoughts and con- internal conversation or maybe your conversations with Matt around expanding your family? Were you clear you wanted to have more children or did did how you experienced early postpartum, did that impact at all how you thought about having other kids? Yeah, so, um, well, I ended up, well, I'm going to go back to the breastfeeding um, because I ended up exclusively pumping with Emery because oh, we wow. had so many issues. I was super embarrassed to ask for help. Um, and it, I did that for 13 months. I was pumping around the clock every two Ooh, hours. Mama. Sunday. I was best over it. Um, and so I kind of didn't have a life <laughs> for a bit, but um, Matt was super supportive and did all like washing bottles, changing diapers. Um, and we just did what worked for us. Uh, so that's what got me passionate about breastfeeding. Um, and so whenever we, we were actually living in Monterey, California, when I had Emory, um, Matt was in training, um, learning Arabic at the uh, language school there. So we moved back home here to Arkansas when Emory was about nine weeks old. Um, and I, Matt's mom actually works for the health department and, um, there was a job opening for a breastfeeding peer counselor. She saw how I became passionate about breastfeeding, um, just with my own issues with the, the pumping. And, you know, I wish so bad that I was able to latch them on, you know, so I started just coaching some of my mom friends that were having babies and breastfeeding and trying to support them and really encouraging them to reach out for help if they were having any issues. Um, because I wish so badly that I had done that. And, um, anyway, so my mother-in-law, she was like, there's this opening for a breastfeeding peer counselor at the health department. Um, that all, all the requirements are is that you have been on WIC before, um, that you've breastfed for at least six months, and then, of course, some childcare experience. Um, and so I applied for that and got the job. And it was, I think, once I actually started the job is when I really got passionate about breastfeeding. Mm. I already was and had been, you know, my whole breastfeeding journey, I was doing research and learning and so it was really cool that I got, just, it was the perfect job for me. Um, 
And so that I think helped me. I started planning, um, you know, I knew I wanted another baby <laughs> and during this time, Matt was actually deployed to Kosovo whenever I started working. Um, and so it, I think that was a good time for me to kind of figure myself out. I worked through a lot of my feelings and I think being the only provider for my son, Emery, during that time, I was able to build up that bond with him that I didn't have right away. Um, and so I, that was healing for me. And so, um, we just, as soon as he got back from deployment, we, um, bought a house and got pregnant within a two month span. And it was really fast. And, um, so it was actually while I was working as breastfeeding peer counselor, I had, um, one of, I was still job shadowing. So I was with another peer counselor and I told her that I was pregnant. Um, and so her name is Sarita and she is actually a doula and she's an awesome mom. She has three cute little kids and she says, um, you should have a home birth. (laughs) And I laughed at her and I was like, look at me. Like, do I look like a home birth person? You know, I've got, (laughs) full face of makeup. I've got all the 10 pounds of hair extensions in my hair. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm a diva. Like I need, I need an epidural. (laughs) Um, but I went home and was just thinking about it and talked to Matt about it. And I was like, you know what? I really do not want to give birth in a hospital. (laughs) Um, I don't really want to give birth at home, but I don't want to give birth in a hospital more, um, or more so not at home, but more so I don't want to give birth without pain medication. (laughs) Um, but anyway, I, he was like, Hey, let's do it. I mean, he knows. He was on board. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we both know, we know nobody who had, um, an unmedicated birth. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was convinced by my mom and aunt and grandma, everybody had to be induced. And so I was like, my body won't do that on its own. (laughs) Um, so it was really just funny that like, (laughs) there wasn't much of a, a transition. It was like, no, I'm not a good candidate for a home birth. And then I come home and talk to Matt about it. And it's like, Hey, let's do a home birth. (laughs) Like it was really weird how we, there was not, much of like a a transition of working through thoughts and feelings about it. It was just like, Hey, why not? <laughs> we don't want to go to a hospital. Um, so then that's when we just started. I mean, I dove really hard into my research, started listening to podcasts. Um, obviously this one, <laughs> uh, we watched the business of being born and um, with working as a peer counselor, uh, um, it was right after I found out I was pregnant, I got to go. They sent me to get certified as a lactation counselor. And so I learned a lot doing that. Um, and so, yeah, we made the decision to have a home birth. Mm. We told my mother-in-law who she's a nurse and she was like, no way. Yeah. Uh. Um, she, yeah, she works. I said she works for the health department. So they kind of see a lot of the, um, home birth stories that 
don't go well um, because you have to co-manage with the health department. At least that's what we had to do. Um, what does that mean to co-manage with? What does it mean to co-manage so, with the health department? Um, we have a midwife. So I don't know how it is in other states. Um, we don't really have any certified nurse midwives, mm-hmm. which is my midwife. She's a nurse, but she's not a certified nurse midwife. Okay. And not exactly clear on, you know, how that works. But um, I think if you're a certified nurse midwife, you probably don't have to co-manage or you might. I'm not sure. Okay. We did. Okay. <laughs> so we had to um, get approval through the health department. I think it was like three times that we had to go and get blood tests and um, checked out by them. And so if everything cleared, then it was, okay, you can have a home birth. So that you but would qualify, you know, quote unquote, qualify. according to their standards of what is safe or, you know, uh, not risk, non-risk right. to be home birth. Okay. Right. Huh. Did you have to That's maintain? It was called risk assessment. Oh, risk assessment. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, okay. Did yes. you have to, um, so, yeah. did you have to maintain any relationship with a, an OB? So it was a nurse practitioner, I think. Mm-hmm. And, okay. um, yeah, we had some issues with that. And I think I had developed preeclampsia with Emory towards the end of my pregnancy, had symptoms the whole time. So it might've just gone gone undiagnosed. But anyway, um, I think that nurse practitioner was afraid that I would develop preeclampsia. She had recently had a patient who had done a home birth with preeclampsia and it went really badly. So that left a bad taste in her mouth and I was her next patient who uh, was trying to do it home birth. so um she kind of veered off of medical effects and was going saying she had a bad feeling about me so she was making it really difficult for me to get approved um and we ended up having to go to the doctor at the hospital <clears throat> here in Little Rock and um you know he was like okay I'm looking at all the medical facts and there's no reason for me to say that you can't have a home birth I mm. think the only problem was my iron, um, which did get really low. I think it has to be like a 10 to be approved for a home birth. And mine was at a seven. Um, and so my, me and my midwife, we just kind of came up with, um, some natural remedies. I was taking iron tablets the whole time, but it wasn't making a difference. Um, so I started taking Fordix which I would get from the local nutrition store. And um, so that you have to drink. I was like taking shots of it. But um, I didn't really mind the taste. It's very like earthy, grassy. <laughs> I think my body was craving it so much. I did not mind the taste. Hmm. Um, I was drinking lots of grapefruit juice, lots of orange juice that helps with iron absorption. Um, and then I was taking chlorophyll capsules. A couple of times a day and um so doing all that and I eliminated caffeine um and was trying to eat lots of greens and stuff like that it's high iron foods and we were able to get my iron up just like right at the last minute wow. it was just a couple of weeks before my um due date that we we're like I'm not sure <laughs> if we're going to be able to do this based off the iron levels but we got it up Ooh, go Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Wow. And so, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I think this is a good point to take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's talk birth story. Okay. This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so do the many cool things to do. Come keep cool with amazing pools and the hottest nights at the coolest spots in Texas. Go to visitsanantonio.com slash summer. Okay, Brooke, so we got the iron up. We're approved. We're ready to go. What was going on the last few weeks or the last few days? <clears throat> so it was about a two-day span of um, contractions. And but my midwife says that um, I have a long cervix, hmm. which was why I was contracting pretty continuously for two days. And, um, you know, I have, was discharging like mucus plug and um, I guess it was the bloody show, but that was like, not just like a one-time thing. It was every time I go to the bathroom, there was more. <laughs> and she just said that that was most likely because of me having a long cervix and I had a lot more thinning out to do. So that was, I mean, the contractions weren't horrible, but it was exhausting um, because it really peaked at night. Um, <clears throat> so it must have been, he was born on the 12th. So like the 10th, I contracted all day um, and all night. I was up all night. The 11th, same thing. Um, and I called my midwife that day and I was like, look, I've been having these contractions. They're not close together and they're not super consistent. So I knew I wasn't in like active labor. And she was like, well, I will come and check you, but I'm pretty sure you're just having false labor right now. And I'm like 40 weeks and three days at this point. So I was like, I mean, come on, <laughs> it can't be false labor. Like we're supposed to be having a baby. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> um, she came around 5 p.m. that night and um, on the 11th and I was dilated to a three. And so she was like, okay, so this is not false labor. <laughs> um, I'll probably be getting a phone call from you in the middle of the night tonight. Um, you'll, like you'll be having a baby soon. So what I want you to do is take a bath, get some sleep, and then, you know, so you'll be energized to, to have a baby. And I'm like, okay. So I took two Benadryl, took a bath, did my essential oils. And I went to bed. As soon as I lay down, my contractions start like hardcore. <laughs> so I have to get up. I didn't even get to sleep off my Benadryl. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't sleep the night before. So I'm like groggy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so we just, um, Matt got up with me and we just kind of sat in the living room. For a little bit. Thankfully, Emery slept awesome that night. He slept in our bed. Um, and so he, we just closed the door and he was in there. And we stayed in the living room. And um, really, it was hard for me. I couldn't sit for, I couldn't sit or lay down. Um, I had to be standing and pacing um, through the contractions. That was the only comfortable thing for me so you know that was just more energy that I was spending but I think that obviously the gravity helped 
baby come a little bit quicker. Um, <clears throat> so we called my midwife around midnight, um, and she came, I think, at one or two in the morning. Um, and we, I just paced around for a while. Um, they set up the the birthing pool. We had some issues because they were supposed to um, hook it up to the water heater, and that didn't work. You know, you have to get the temperature just right. Um, and so they had to try a couple things, ended up having to hook it to the um, the washing machine in the laundry room. And so it, it, like, took all this time, it felt like, to get the birthing pool ready because I'm I'm so ready to be doing something different <laughs> than yeah. pacing around. Um, and so I guess this all went really quickly after they got there because as soon as I'm finally able to get into the birthing pool, I lift up my leg and my water breaks. And I'm like, oh, my water just broke. And, like, I felt a pop. And like a drop and a pop is what it wow. felt like. And, and my midwife, Carrie, she was like, no, you just peed on yourself. And <laughs> because she had just checked me and I was like, I might have peed, but <laughs> my water also broke. Trust me. <laughs> so, so I'm like on the way of getting into the birthing pool when that happens. And she's like, well, I got to check you. <laughs> um, so I, still cannot get into the pool we have to go back to the back room so she can check me again and i'm at a seven um so we did that and then obviously when she hit a seven your world turns upside down <laughs> so that walk down the hallway back to the birthing pool was pretty miserable mm-hmm. they get in the birthing pool and um i'm not in there for very long i know that they called my my mom and my sister to come um, when I got in the birthing pool and 45 minutes later, I had the baby. So it wasn't in there long, but oh, wow. I, yeah, I hated the birthing pool. Um, I was in there for a bit. I'm trying to do my low moans, which is really difficult. Um, <laughs> the assistant is making me really mad because she's like pouring water on my back. And I guess I'm like just not in a place where I can verbalize to stop. So I'm just getting so annoyed. The whole birthing pool experience is awful. Um, And so I start, I guess, making pushing sounds um, during contractions. And my midwife is like, are you pushing already? Because this is like right after, you know, my water break. Um, I'm at a seven and I'm in the pool. She's like, are you pushing and I'm like I guess you know I don't know so I stand up she has me stand up and she's like okay well yeah he's like right there um and I'm like I'm not I'm not sitting back down because standing up felt so much better Mm. um and, and she's like well you can't just stand here you can't do that because you know if baby comes out we can't risk him falling into the water you have to you know be immersed in the water to birth the baby. Um, <clears throat> and so we can't risk him coming out, catching a breath and then going in the water. <laughs> so anyway, um, she was like, let's get on the birthing stool. So I had to get out of the pool um, while he's like on his way out. <laughs> um, but so we set up the birthing stool, which is awesome. Um, I love that so much more. 
Um, so no pool, <laughs> yes stool. <laughs> yes. Way to go, and it, it, You know, it, it's, it's so crazy because I, the, my whole pregnancy to visualize giving birth in the birthing pool, you know, um, but I knew that I was planning to just go with emotions of what felt right. Um, and in that moment, you know, the birthing pool was it, or the birthing stool was it. And um, just being more upright, I think, was what my body needed. And so um, get on the birthing stool and my mom and sister, they had just shown up. Not that I realized it because I was so out of it. (laughs) Um, And I mean, pretty much as soon as I get on there, he's crowning. And um, I I was going to send you all my birthing video just because it's so funny to me. Um, Everybody cracks up whenever I show it. Oh, like I, I'm so not modest. I'll show everybody my birthing video, and I just I die laughing because I am so myself. <laughs> I am you know pushing and everything, and I'm I'm so calm at first, and then I'm like, okay, listen, I need to take a break. I need to catch a breath, and that was probably the worst thing I could have done because when I took a break I lost control whenever I the next contraction came after that I start screaming (laughs) bloody murder and um I'm yelling get him out (laughs) get him out I'm screaming at my midwife and so I just keep yelling that and um it's funny when I watch the video because as I'm screaming that he's like already out and my midwife is yelling at me saying, Brooke, grab your baby. Grab your baby. Because <laughs> I'm like, get him out. And he's right there. He's already out. But I just, I had lost such control. And I'm being so dramatic and being a diva. So and I was just going to say, is this how a diva does home birth? <laughs> <laughs> this is how a diva does home birth. <laughs> get out of me. <laughs> And, um, and he was out. And so I shared with you guys a picture, um, of my face, my facial expression. And because my mouth is wide open, I think that my face was stuck like that for a good two minutes because I was in such a shock. Um, I did the same thing with Emery. I was just like, this is so weird. This is so weird. And like, I can't believe I'm holding a baby right now. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, he came out. He was um, nine pounds, five ounces. So a big fat baby. That's a big baby. Uh, I felt all the pain of that weight. <laughs> but um, I was really impressed. I had no tearing, um, which I did with Emery, and that was so painful. Um, I had no tearing because it, we really did it super gradually. Um so I was grateful for that. Um, he was, my midwife had to really mess with him a bunch because he wasn't crying, but I think, you know, it's still true. He's just a quiet baby. Um, Oh, he was was not crying. crying. He was not crying when he came out. Um, she had to, she was slapping his feet (laughs) a bunch and she had Mm. to suck a bunch of fluid out of his lungs. Um, but he was fine. He's just, he just didn't care to cry. Yeah. Um, That was Maya. Yeah. Maya too. Yeah. Wow. So, so question, because uh, I, I know uh-huh. someone's wondering it. So, like, I'm going to ask for the woman who's wondering, did you ever fully dilate to 10? 
Because we just heard, um, like, seven, and then he's here. And so, like, is I guess I never really heard of that, that you, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think so. I'm trying to remember. Whenever I stood up um, in the birthing pool, um, so it was just, like, a, really a few minutes of wow. a seven, and then I was in the pool, started making pushing sounds. And um, when I stood up, she checked me. And she was like, yeah, you're, you're a 10. And okay. And that's whenever I was like, well, I'm not sitting back down in the pool. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Because, yeah, I'm sure it's not impossible. I guess I just never heard a, yeah. a story. But, I mean, wow. Wow. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Like cool. I, said, I don't know exactly how long I was in the pool. I just know that it was um, 45 minutes later yeah. that of getting into the pool that I actually gave first. Gotcha. Quick. Gotcha. Um, also, I kind of wanted to touch on the um, transition because when I was doing my research preparing for home birth, um, I really just wanted to know like what that actually felt like. <laughs> and it's a hard thing to verbalize, um, but I, like it was awful. I'm just being honest. It was so awful for me. And it literally, it felt like, I say it felt like a shipwreck because I feel like I'm feeling the waves like on the ocean and I'm in so much pain. It like, it felt like my insides were just being torn apart and it was, I, I was not prepared. I don't think for that much pain. Um, so I wish that I had maybe done some more research just to prepare myself for for the pain. Um, I handled it really well, but I was just super surprised that it was so painful. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so anyway, th- for me, it was pretty awesome that it happened so fast because I was in so much pain. And then, you know, as soon as the baby's out, the pain's gone. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think the, my, my word for describing it is like a shipwreck because mm. it was, it was bad. Um, gotcha. That's, that's real. You know, that's, that's your experience and your truth, you know, in that. And I, I appreciate that because I think there is an assumption, you know, in different parts of the birth communities of the type of birth that you choose. Therefore it means it comes with X, Y, and Z, or therefore you had this kind of experience, um, and to choose perhaps a home birth, you know, that meant that you can't relate to any of it as painful if that's what it was for you, but you can, mm-hmm. like you could absolutely say, and like, yes, just you, you can say your, your birth can be empowering, magical, what you needed, what worked for you. And parts of it could be like that too. And I, I think, you know, just owning that, honoring that, accepting that I think is a, a healthy thing that there can be all different kinds yeah. of aspects to your birth, regardless of, you know, your route. But you know what? I would do it 10 times over, Yeah. you know, over my hospital births where I essentially felt no pain. I would take the pain every day um, just to have been more in the moment <clears throat> to be at home and the recovery. Oh, my goodness. It was so amazing. I mean, by that night, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was carrying around my three-year-old. Um, oh, and wow. I was up and walking and it was amazing. Mm. Um, but so 
us, though, I would, we almost had to transport to the hospital. I forgot to include that. Um, at the end, after I ha- had already given birth, <clears throat> we were on my hardwood floor in the living room. And so I had laid down to deliver my placenta. And after that, I could not get back up because I was nearly passing out. Um, I kept, everything kept going black. And um, my midwife was like, you know, I, it's going to be bad, you know, if you pass out and we don't want Emory to see that. Um, <clears throat> and so we just laid me on the floor and I was there for a good two hours. Um, and I, I was okay when I was on the floor. Um, and I, I was like, I just, I do not want to go to the hospital. Um, I'm okay if I'm laying down, but it was kind of sad because I didn't get to do my immediate breastfeeding. Um, and that was my midwife. was really bad about it I mean I was okay but um in my um he was still Kai was still um connected to the the umbilical cord is what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. and his umbilical cord was really short so I could not get him all the way up to my chest either um so laying down made it hard to try to get him to the breast um, <clears throat> he was, he could only go like to just the top of my stomach. He couldn't make it all the way to my breast because of how short the cord was. Um, anyway, and so we didn't get to do the immediate breastfeeding, um, because of that. And it's so funny. Um, <laughs> my midwife loves this story because, um, my memo had, actually got to be there for the birth. And, um, we're just like, we keep trying to, to, figure out how to get me off the floor <laughs> every time I stand up I'm almost passing out and then my memo was like well why don't we move the couch to her and I'm like I've been laying on the floor for two hours and I'm like my back is killing me and why has nobody thought of this <laughs> move the couch and it was like when she said that everybody was just like oh my god oh, that's <laughs> like, funny yeah different perspective yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we were able to get me on the couch and I was fine and I got to breastfeed and he latched on like a champ. I was not anxious about it or anything. I think that kind of made the difference that I was not concerned. Mm. Um, I, at this point I was so researched up on breastfeeding. I had, you know, my was a lactation counselor at all my training. I knew what to do. And he, he was just, he still is just the best baby. He's so good at everything. Um, and so breastfeeding started out great and it's still going great. Go Kai crushing the baby thing. One of the things, one of the, the, uh, like, I guess the themes that I've, I, I, I've heard in your story, Brooke was like research and education. There's a lot of, of, you know, researching things, educating yourself, learning things. I mean, you just shared how you didn't feel any stress when it came to him latching and breastfeeding because you just felt prepared like you had you, right. you just felt yeah. cool and comfortable and I, I I heard that in other points in your story as well so I think for the folks who are listening who are kind of in the the maybe just not even pregnant yet or just just wanting to hear the stories mm-hmm. the importance of or the impact of educating yourself and, and doing the research I get a lot of that from your story Brooke yes that made the biggest difference um, in both of my birth stories, I didn't do any research with Emory and it was a bad experience. I did all the research with Guy and it was a good experience. So 
um, knowledge is power. It really is. Mm. And um, it's made me just a huge advocate for natural birth and knowing the um, impact that interventions can have on your body. Um, And also working as a lactation counselor and seeing moms. And I can really, I've gotten to see for myself the, the comparison of moms who have had medicated and unmedicated births and so many times I would hear the exact same story as what I had with Emory. You know, you go in, you get Pitocin and the epidural, the heart rate drops. A lot of the times it ends in C-section and I got really lucky that that didn't happen to me. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we were headed in that direction with him. And so um, I'm just, I'm, I'm so grateful <clears throat> for to be able to have that job and, you know, really see for myself while I was pregnant. I was able to get all that research and just opportunity to talk to moms. And yeah, I feel really blessed. That was a really good time for me mm. to have gotten that job <clears throat> while I was pregnant. And so, well, what I'm going to take from this book and I want to wrap up with this thought, at least something I've learned from this is to put an empowered spin to on being a birth diva. And that there's a lot you can learn from being to to birth like a diva, because I think some of those aspects of what you described, you know, knowing what you want, researching, educating yourself, you know, being clear, um, expressing yourself like all of that. Yeah, I think we could all take a little bit Mm -hmm. of that. I think we could all, you know, awaken our birth divas a little bit. So that's what I'm going to take from it. I think that would be an amazing (laughs) spin. Now, can I add in one more thing? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I ended up getting my placenta encapsulated, um, which is pretty cool. But to do that, you know, it's kind of pricey. I made a trade with my midwife since she does it. She was getting married <laughs> this past summer. And so I did her hair and makeup for her wedding and she encapsulated my placenta. Heck yeah. <laughs> and that, was our <laughs> that is the way the world works. I know. That is how women barter. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and when she was walking down the aisle, I was the last person behind her and I was like, this is transition. Yeah. <laughs> and I- it's so funny. Beautiful. I love that. Brooke, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you to Matt. Thank you to Emery and Kai for being a part of the story as well. Yes. They are all important pieces to this story. And um, we're yeah. so grateful to you for being a part of the community. And now, you know, coming full circle in this way to share your story on the show is just really beautiful. So we're grateful for you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved. Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.